Coach G's gaslighting the whole situation. He knows I'm fast. He's gaslighting everybody. So he's just like, nah, 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 you're not fast. You're not fast. But he does. But he, he knew. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Well, hey, spring ball ended Friday, as we talked about. Yep. I talked to offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick about how spring went, position groups, and Jaron Hall in the draft. All right, Aaron, spring's wrapped up. How would you summarize how it went? It went well. Um, we were pretty physical. It was a, it was a physical camp, and um, we made it out with you know minimal injuries. That was a good thing, and I thought we made a lot of progress. Our young guys are developing and coming along. At the quarterback's position specifically, uh, how did Keaton take to everything, and did he perform up to what you were hoping? Yeah, he's exactly what I expected. Um, he's accurate. He's a good decision maker, um, very poised, good leader, and um, smart guy. You know, he learned a lot in a short amount of time. He still has a long way to go. Like he's, he doesn't definitely doesn't own it yet the way we want our starting quarterbacks to to take ownership of it. But he's on he's on track and. Uh, very pleased with what he's done so far. How do you balance sort of who and what he is a quarterback versus who and what you want the quarterback to be at BYU, which is really focused around efficiency, taking care of the ball? Yeah, I mean, the main thing for us is just we, we want to throw the ball down the field. That's that's who we are. Um, and so, you know, you need, first of all, you need a guy that can do that. You need the accuracy and arm strength and be able to get the ball down the field. And then, you know, the different uh, skill sets that each guy has you can kind of work with those and adapt your offense a little bit to fit but uh, he has actually has a lot more in common with the guys we've had than I expected he's a, he's a better athlete I think than what people have seen just because of the the offenses he played in didn't ask him to do some of the things that we're going to ask him to do and I've been pleasantly surprised this spring at his ability to make plays with his feet to throw on the run uh, even to run the ball a little bit once in a while he's He's a good athlete, and uh, and it's fun. He embraces it. He's excited about doing something different. At the, uh, I, I assume he's the starting quarterback coming out of spring, Keaton. Yeah, um, he will be our starting quarterback out of, coming out of spring. Um, I expect him to continue to be our starting quarterback. I mean, that, that's that's we're, we're making that clear today. He is our starter, and um, as long as he keeps doing his job in fall camp, I expect him to start that first game and have a great season. Was there a um, distinction between Cade Fennigan or Jake Retzloff at number two? That's a good battle going on there. You know, uh, Jake was late to camp with sickness and some, you know, some complications from a tonsil surgery that was in, in a deviated septum. It was uh, wasn't supposed to be a big deal, and then he, there were some complications there that kept him out for a while. So he got behind, and then he came on really strong. And then Cade's been battling some sickness the last couple. Uh, last week or so and so he missed a little bit of time and so um, both of them did a lot of good things both are good players and we'll continue that battle into fall camp uh, and then behind them anyone kind of separate as a, a kind of the fourth guy Ryder Burton and Nick Billups and others um, I thought Nick did a really nice job this spring and so did Ryder um, if we had a game today Nick's probably a little more ready but um, Ryder is a talented thrower and he's young. I mean, Ryder, most quarterbacks nowadays are like held back 
you know, they're a year older than their grade, and Ryder's actually a year younger than his grade. He he, mm. he, he could still be in high school for another year age-wise. So he's so, like a junior in high school. Yeah, he's gotcha. a really young kid. Wow. He's like a junior in high school who's already in college. Mm. And so um, his best days are definitely ahead of him. He's he's really talented thrower, and um, he's getting better every day. At running back, how would you evaluate how things went? Because Aiden Robbins kind of sat out quite a yeah. bit with the wrist, and then L.J. Martin will get here in the fall. Aiden was out, but he was, I mean, he pra well, he practiced every day. He just didn't play in the 11-on-11 11 yeah. 11 stuff. So I feel really good about him, and he knows what we're doing. I've seen him do most of what we're going to need to see him do in the fall, either in our practices or I've seen it on film before when he rushed for 1,000 yards last year. Um, so Aiden, I have a lot of confidence he's going to be a good player for us. And then, you know, I thought Falau was solid this spring, did a good job. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see – you know, what LJ brings, and then we have these other young guys that are battling for a chance to play too. Falau meaning Hinkley? Oh, yeah, Hinkley. Yeah. Falau's his middle name, and yeah. that's what everybody calls him, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I guess fans might as well get used yeah. to it. He's Falau, so yeah. And Miles Davis in the mix as well? Yeah, Miles is in the mix. He's missed a little bit of practice time, been yeah. battling an ankle sprain, but um, Miles, uh, Miles is in the mix as well. Gotcha. Is there a need to get a receiver or two in the portal? Uh, yes, but I want to make sure everyone understands it's not because we aren't happy with who we have. Mm -hmm. We just our numbers are down right now. We don't have as many receivers in the in the room as we have. We actually have three, maybe four scholarships available there that we haven't used yet. Oh well. Wow. Yeah. So um, you know, I don't know. I don't think we'll use all all of them, but we'll probably use a couple of them just to bolster that room with depth. Um, you just look at our last couple seasons. I mean, Gunnar Romney missed the whole season pretty much last year with injuries. Puka missed several games. Uh, Chase Roberts missed a couple games. Cody missed half the season. You, you need depth to get through the season, and it's going to be even more uh, challenging with how physical the Big 12 is going to be. So, again, it's, it's not that we aren't happy with the guys we have. We just don't have enough. So we need to go find a couple, yeah. You've been outspoken about the offensive line being uh, long and experienced and physical. Um, what did you see this spring that makes you continually excited about that group that was pretty good last year, and despite losing several big names, you're still excited about it? Yeah, I thought our O-line was great last year, and now um, they played very well. We, I, I still feel the same way about our the ability in our group. The, the length and the athleticism is definitely there. It's a work in progress right now trying to figure out who's going to play where and what that – starting five is going to look like and then what the backups are going to look like. Um, so some days didn't always look great because we had a lot of moving parts and guys were playing different positions each day and one day you're playing right guard and the next day you're playing center and one one day somebody's playing guard and the next day he's playing tackle and we were moving people around and so it didn't always lead to the best chemistry but I think when we get into fall camp it's going to pay off and I have a lot of faith in that group and Coach Funk is an awesome coach, and uh, I'm really excited to see how those guys play. Any dudes that sort of established they're the guy at that position, like Kingsley at left tackle or Connor at center and Braden at right tackle kind of thing? Obviously, Kingsley's going to start at left tackle. And then, I mean, I'd be shocked if Connor Pay is not one of our starters. I'd be shocked if Paul Miley is not one of our starters. I mean, uh, I'm probably forgetting some guys. We there's, I don't want to leave somebody out, but there's some good players there. Um, you know, Braden Kimes, a guy that started games for us before. He, he should be in that mix if he takes care of business and does what he's supposed to do, which I think he will. Um, there's a lot of good players there, and it's going to be competitive.
Next week's the, the NFL draft. Uh, we fully hope and expect another BYU quarterback to be taken, which is exciting. What are you hoping for in terms of fit with Jaron Hall and his skill set? I'd just like to see him go to a good organization, um, you know, where, you know, where he can just have a chance to have success if he gets if he has if he gets to play. Whether he goes there as a backup and you know gets his opportunity to play as a backup at some point, or, or uh, I don't I don't know if any teams are considering him as a starter, but I hope he gets in a good organization with a good team around him, and you know because that's everything. <laughs> you, you know, it's it's hard to succeed at the quarterback position if you don't have a good team around you and a good you know good situation and I think if he gets that I think he'll thrive and I think that's why you sometimes see in the league quarterbacks who struggle and then all of a sudden year five year six they figure it out and maybe they're on a new team now in a new situation and all of a sudden they figured out well they didn't just all of a sudden get good you know they they slowly got better little by little and then all of a sudden they're on the right situation with the right team and they look like a different guy and I think uh, that's what I hope for Jaron. I hope he gets in a good situation, and that's why I'm still hopeful. Hopeful for Zach as well. Mm -hmm. I think, I think at some point, Zach's going to be in the game with a good situation around him, and he's going to figure it out. Whether that's with the Jets or elsewhere, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, regarding Jaron, the Colts working out Jaron is is really interesting to me. Given that they have the number one pick and are probably going to take C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, you'd think. Um, We've seen a team draft two quarterbacks who are rookies before, but it almost feels like, wait, the ideal situation if he's not a starter at the beginning would be being behind a backup, but it, with the Colts, you'd be behind a rookie. What did, what did you think of the, kind of the Colts working him out? Yeah, it's interesting. and um, There's teams that people aren't talking about, too, that I've talked to two or three times. Mm -hmm. you know? So um, I think um, you know, we've talked to almost every team in the league about him. Uh, talked to one team yesterday that I didn't even know liked him as much as they do. You know, they're super excited about him and uh, said, you know, it sounded like he ranks pretty high on their board. And um, so, yeah, it's going to be fun to see where he ends up. And you fully expect him to be drafted based on that interest? He's going to get drafted, yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. What does it mean to you once he's drafted to have back-to-back -back guys drafted? I think that's a big deal for the program. Yeah, we're trying to make that be a regular thing here. You know, I, I'm excited about it and um, proud of those guys, what they've done on the field, and um, hoping that if Keaton takes care of business, he'll be the next one. And then that, we, what we'd like to do is just have a string of guys where that just that's what we do. You know, and um, that's hopefully going to be, become a selling point about playing quarterback at BYU again. And left tackle, I think, too, right? <laughs> yeah, O line in general. I think yeah. I think we had a chance to put a few more of those guys in the NFL here soon. Yeah. Okay, Aaron, thanks for the time, man. Yeah, good to talk to you. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Men's Hoops will host Morgan State, according to John Rothstein in non-conference play. Is this the type of game you're wanting to see? Wait, the Beavers? Is that oh, what you are? meant Morgan State, not Oregon State. Morrigan <laughs> State. <laughs> yes, Morgan State. When I first heard it on the phone this morning, I was like, Oregon State? No, no, it's, no, no, no more Power Fives. But it's Morgan, Morgan State. State. Yes, I believe that the Bears, right? Is that, is that right? Are you? Do you know this and you're asking me, no, or are you wondering? I, I, okay. yeah, I think I'm the right. Bears. 
Because it's Murray State yeah, Racers it is the and Bears. the Morgan State Bears. I believe it's the Bears. Okay. Yeah. This is exactly the type of game that I want to see on BYU's non-conference schedule. More Morgan States, please. Yeah, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I would love uh, for BYU to just mail it the heck in in eight of the 11 non-conference games. I want one MTE, which sounds like it's the Wooden Legacy in Vegas. You got at least Arizona State. Hopefully two other kind of quad one, quad two type games. Yes. But, uh, it's going to be too tough in Big 12 play. You need to get at least 10 wins in non-conference play to feel like you have a shot as at an at-large. 10 and 3, 11 and 2 with a light non-conference schedule. Just fine. Just fine. That'd be neato. Sixth ranked BYU men's volleyball secures the number two seed in the MPSF tournament after going undefeated at home this season, most recently taking two from Stanford. Remember when the Cougars were picked to finish sixth in the Federation? And on, ah! and on ranked to start the year. Has BYU volleyball already overachieved this season regardless of what happens next? One million percent. I believe BYU will be fifth in the ABCA poll today. Uh, I believe that BYU will get to the MPSF title game coming up on Saturday against UCLA at Stanford. They'll probably have to go through Stanford again on their home court. So that Ooh. will be a tough Ooh. match in the semis should BYU get through Concordia. BYU okay. beat Concordia twice in three and five. This team is unbelievable. They don't have a single All-American in any form on the team. They won't have an MPSF first team all-conference guy. They've done a great job of being a team, truly a team, going 14-0 and at home. My one concern, though, is that 14 of the 18 wins have come at home. BYU's got to go on the road and win. Granted, Heath Hughes was hurt for several of those yeah. important road matches. At Grand Canyon. Heath Hughes has made a big, uh, big time addition to this team. He is 14 and two as a starter this year. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And BYU beat Irvine on the road, which is, you know, like, didn't they have Heath when they beat Irvine too? Yes, got swept by three and then won an extras in five. So like, you barely win the one you won, which was great. But it was early. And, but it was early and it was Irvine. So that's awesome. Sure, yep. sure. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. Yes, this team has absolutely overachieved. Mm -hmm. You go from unranked to probably number five in the poll today. Could be. You're picked to finish sixth in the Federation. You finish second. They're going to be Concordia, and they're not going to have to face Grand Canyon. I kind of wanted them to have a shot at Grand Canyon in the semifinals. too, because the at-large combo. Now, yeah, BYU got too good. <laughs> but if you, get to the finals, to if you get to the finals and lose to UCLA, BYU's got a legitimate resume to maybe get an at-large spot in the tournament. And Irvine lost twice to Long Beach State over the weekend. That's amazing. Irvine needs to stink in the Big West tournament. That's the key, because Long Beach State's getting an at-large. All right. Should Hawaii win that league. BYU softball is fifth-ranked Stanford today, 3 Eastern and Miller Park on the BYU TV app. Can the Cougars get the upset? Yes. Stanford's kind of reeling right now. They had two leads against Utah over the weekend late into the seventh inning and blew both. Mm. They were low-scoring games. Yeah, Stanford, Stanford's in kind of a weird mental place right now. Uh, they I mean, they play on Sundays in the Pac-12, so, like, they got swept. It was finalized yesterday. Now they got to roll into Pro Bowl against a BYU team that's they beat LMU, and they're looking. They're, BYU is desperate for a resume win because if BYU doesn't win the conference, they need a win over Stanford. They just lost the They might need to be UCLA, if you, and, you know, who's coming to Miller Park later in the season to try and bolster their at-large resume. Yeah. So BYU is desperate. Stanford's reeling a little bit. I kind of like this scenario for the Cougars. BYU beat Stanford last year. They can do it again. On the road, no less. Yeah, they can do it again. They can do it again. Mm -hmm. BYU Rugby, another team that's overachieving. They're doing they, great. They earn a trip to the national semifinals after beating third-ranked Central Washington, dominant fashion, 62-31. The Cougars will face Cal this week for the right to play in the national championship. Last week, we said making the semifinals would be clearly sufficient. 
But have our expectations shifted now? No, because if you beat Cal on the road, I mean, that's an amazing win. And hopefully the boys do. Um, Cal came to Provo a couple weeks ago, you lost 50 to 14. Yep. They set kind of a mixed squad. It wasn't like the full A squad, um, but BYU didn't care. They pounded them anyway. So this is the old rivalry. And this is a game that BYU lost in 05, 6, 7, 8 for the national championship. Yeah. And the 9 finally got over the hump. I sobbed like a baby. <laughs> On the field after they did. Like With your roommates. The emotion of that. Yeah, and, and my old roommate's head coach, Steve St. Pierre, he's done a great job. Derek Smith as well, one of the assistant coaches, former roommate as well. They've done a great job with this. They can't recruit. They can't recruit. They have to pick from the kids who are in school. Before, they were pulling in kids from uh, the Whippies from Fiji and Paula, you know, Paula Sique from New Zealand. And Different so era. And Sean Davies from South Africa. Yeah. Different era. They've done great. Yeah, this, this is awesome that they're yep. doing this without being able to recruit. College football community has put out a question, Jerem. If you could build a statue outside your stadium, who would it be? So taking Lavelle Edwards out of it, uh -oh. which BYU player deserves a statue outside LES the most? Probably the Heisman winner. Yes, yes. But I would love, I, I don't know why we don't. I, is it like a false idol thing? I don't know what the policy Maybe? is. I would love just a ton of the quarterback factory to be out there. I think and you could just do major award winners. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. do, um, you know, the Outlands, Mo Elowinibi and Jason Buck and Luke, Luke Staley. Staley, and then do the quarterbacks that won. So okay. you'd have Gary Shidey with Sammy Baugh, and obviously like, uh, you know, Mark Wilson and Steve Young and yeah. Jim McMahon and Robbie Bosco and Ty Detmer, and you'd even have Sark in there. You know, you could have a really fun display that people could take pictures of. Yeah, I, we're I, not I, like I, ancient Israel here, right? Like we're good on the. False we're not, we're not worshiping it. Yeah, it's just it's just to honor. Yeah, not, honor and worship but, are two but different things. Why aren't there more than? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I'm with you. I default to the Heisman Trophy winner. It's the most prestigious award in college football. Like Ty Detmer was a revolutionizing figure yep. for BYU. Yeah, he's the greatest. Like he had like a thousand yards for every foot of height he had. <laughs> he threw for fifteen thousand yards it's in amazing. his career. It's amazing. Just absurd that at that time, especially. specifically. Yeah. Wow, like five thousand plus. Yes. Amazing. Our question of the day: What did we learn from BYU spring football version 2023? Ben Peterson on Twitter says, "Seems like there is a new energy for the defense." I would hope yes, so. Yes, there absolutely. If there is. isn't, I got an issue. And it is infecting, in the most glorious way, the whole team. Hopefully they can keep that up throughout the season. Oh, when you get a new coordinator and a new defensive staff, natural yeah, there are some natural things that happen there. And if they don't, you better be concerned. Uh, but no concern here. All right. The Croxall on Twitter says, learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, how I feel. We great. won't know anything until after the good. first game. And even then, yeah. it might take until BYU plays Arkansas to see how this team compares no. to last no, year. No, it'll take six games. <laughs> like... Robert and I um, was a funny dude that we disagreed with on a few things, but he was right in saying it takes half a season to really know what you have. I agree. Yeah, at least four games, right? Like, I tend to think like you have to get at least a third with like way through the season before you're like one okay, Big Twelve think... game ain't gonna tell us a ton. We need to get three games into Big well, Twelve. Well, I'm saying two power fives, like Arkansas and Kansas, should tell us a little bit about BYU. A little bit. Sure, right? a little, but like we'll get a real good sense halfway through. What's the difference between the what makes it the fifth and sixth game so so uh, you know tipping? I wonder. All of them are worth like you know eight hmm. percent of the season, dude. Our elite voice of the day presented by Pax Healthcare Elevated from at Set Bobo on Instagram saying, 
that it's fun to be at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and football season can't come soon enough. Yeah, it's in how many days? I have no idea. I have no I, idea. I, I, September no. 2nd. Not, I'm not going to try and do that math. One million days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to do that math. Like, we're at least 140-ish days Listen, away. Listen, this week is volleyball and rugby week, okay? Postseason. I was just told 138. I said one four. Okay. So I was off, okay? Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about to all of our BYU runners at the Boston Marathon? Yeah, baby. Three of the top 11 American finishers. You just researched that, Jerem. Mm -hmm. Connor Mance finished third among all Americans. Nico Montanez, fifth among the Americans. And Connor Weaver, 11th. All in the top 25 the top, overall. That's amazing. How about that? That's amazing. And then Jackson Ring, one of our own. He's uh, on our uh, sports marketing team, running uh, social media, helping out there. He uh, finished the second Boston Marathon today, finished in 245.05, just like five minutes ago. 245.05 is 618 cooking. average. He, he was in 1,072nd place. Very nice. Isn't that about what you finished in the uh, state championship cross country? 55th in 5A, oh. my man. 55th. <laughs> I didn't even go to practice. <laughs> Our thanks to today's guests, the BYU football coordinators, Aaron Roderick and Jay Hill. Sorry to Dennis, ran out of time. You couldn't have taken 55th, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> for Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Shea Martinez Collinsworth. We'll see you in two hours for BYU Softball hey. Live on the app as the Cougars host number five Stanford. Go Cougs! The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We now welcome in BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson, who recruited heavily Ali Khalifa. You were you were on this from the get-go, Nick. So to see this come to fruition, how did it feel when it became official that Khalifa was going to be a BYU basketball player? Yeah, no, it was super exciting yesterday to be able to get the paperwork finalized and for Cougar Nation to provide him with all the excitement and love that uh, uh, he deserves at this particular stage in his early, early career here at BYU. Um, but from start to finish, uh, you know, he was able to really feel comfortable uh, with Coach Pope. Um, I talked to him again last night, and he just kept raving about the connection he was able to have with Coach Pope. When he got here to campus, it was all about the players. And so uh, to see this process go through uh, as relatively quickly as it did um, in the transfer portal world was super exciting for all of us. Mm. One story that came out with Mark is that uh, uh, Khalifa is a Muslim mm -hmm. and was fasting during Ramadan and that Mark said he would fast with him. Uh, yes. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, um, you know, for us to have official visits on the regular, um, you know, over the course of the years and even, uh, you know, going on right now, you're so used to eating, right, a full breakfast and then a full lunch and then a full dinner. And um, uh, with Ali on campus, uh, we actually just had, right, a wonderful dinner, um, right, right at 7.57 p.m., I think is when the sunset went down. And um, uh, we're able to, you know, experience that with him. But wow. uh, uh, Coach did go through that process with him, which was really, really cool. And he, did he connect with fellow Muslims, Fus and Atiki, as well in, in their faith and, and the fasting? Was that a thing that he connected with? Them? Yeah, so I think they were talking more basketball-wise, but okay. there's a certain, uh, you know, understanding and respect that they have for mm -hmm. one another as they go through this process. And I believe it ends here uh, Thursday. 
Um, and so um, it's kind of a unique time yeah. uh, in their faith process and in their faith journey. And so we're super excited for him to come mm. and uh, help us understand a little bit more about that process, just like Foods and Atiki have done. Hey, we, we get fasting. Uh, here as well, which yeah. is super cool. Not in the same way during Ramadan, but shout out to Mori Bamba as well, who's Muslim, who's on the football team, who went through spring ball fasting. Wow. As well, wow. Which, which would be difficult. That's quite a feat. Nick Robinson, BYU basketball assistant coach, is on BYU Sports Nation. Again, you worked closely with Ali during this whole process. When you first saw him, what was it that caught your eye? You're like, oh man, we got to have that guy. Well, I think what sticks out the most is his skill level at his size, right? Being 6'11", it's very rare, right, at all levels of basketball uh, to find a young man that's capable um, of using the basketball as a real weapon, uh, not just for himself, right, in shooting the threes and finishing around the basket, uh, but he makes his teammates better. Um, you know, he averaged, I think, 11.5 point or 11.7 points and, um, right, you know, 6.3 rebounds, yep. uh, but 2.7 assists. Um, you know, at 6'11 across college basketball is really unique, not to mention, right, the 1.8 to 1.9 assist to turnover ratio. Wild for a big um, man. Which is, you know, that's really, really unique. And so there's only, a, you know, a select few guys that are capable of doing that. Um, and that's, you know, both from the perimeter as well as in the post. Um, he's got a real sense for how to make his teammates better. A little high-low with Foos in action, perhaps? Yeah, no, I think that uh, you know, Foos uh, might be just as excited uh, about <laughs> Ali coming as Ali is about coming. Uh, but not just that. I think you know, for him to be able to play out of the post, the simple plays that he makes uh, for you know, guys like um, uh, Jax or Trevin or Spencer um, you know, or Dallin or any of our guys on the perimeter, uh, he's going to cause some real problems for defenses. Yeah, what is it that makes him such a versatile, high-level passer? Because that's tough to do as a big man. So what have you seen that makes you feel like it's going to continue at BYU? You know, I think it's really his upbringing, right? Um, you know, he was uh, tabbed relatively early to be a part of the, you know, Egyptian, uh, you know, process that goes on there. Um, played for the under-17 national team. Um, he got great training uh, at Global Academy in Australia when he came, uh, you know, when he left home at 15, didn't know any English. Wow. Right? You know, just Arabic is his first language. And all of a sudden, right, he's dropped into, uh, you know, the Australian Global Academy where passing is at a premium uh, there. And so uh, he's come up with great training um, in Charlotte. Right. Coach Sanchez and their group uh, did a really nice job of utilizing the skill set that he provides. And so to have 64, 65 games of experience in Conference USA. Right. And that league was very high level this year. Uh, you know, Ali won the CBI championship. Um, you know, you had, uh, you know, Florida Atlantic in the final four. Yep, yep. Um, the NIT came down to two Conference USA teams. <laughs> UAB, and so, right? right? North right? Texas. And North Texas. And so, you know, he, he's been playing at a high level and is really ready uh, to kind of take this next, next step and is excited about what Coach Pope can offer him, right? Uh, you know, given Coach Pope's pedigree, you know, playing as well as coaching. Yeah, we're excited to get to know him, which will be really fun. 
Um, what what's uh, there's at least one roster spot available it would look like are there multiple roster spots you're hoping to fill what's the next step here yeah I mean right now uh, we've got multiple guys coming in on campus uh, this week and potentially next week as well uh, and right now as usual we're looking for individuals that want to be here right at BYU that want to embrace everything that BYU has to offer that are really good at basketball but also have the potential like all of our guys to come into the Big 12 immediately and grow as a team. And so, you know, that looks a little bit different for different guys. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, we're pretty fluid in what, uh, you know, the next opportunity, the next guy, right, that comes in. Um, you know, we feel like, uh, you know, our skill level continues to increase. The guys are putting great work this spring and will do so this summer. And so, uh, you know, who comes in next? Uh, I'm excited about, uh, you know, to see who comes in next. Is it a guard? Um, you know, I think that there's a, a definite opportunity, right, for, um, you know, somebody that can play, uh, you know, in the guard position, yeah. right? And the reason I say that is we've seen in the Big 12, right, on film and TV and everything that we're, uh, you know, uh, going to experience that guard play, right, and the ability to be able to uh, get to certain spots and make great decisions had a huge impact, right, on the teams in the Big 12. Um, uh, both during the regular season, right, but night in and night out, but also as they went through the tournament. Has the approach to the Big 12, meaning like you're now going to play in the Big 12 compared to last year where you were still recruiting for one year of the West Coast Conference, has that changed now the interest level and the number of players that are interested in BYU in the transfer portal specific to this year? Yeah, so, you know, even a year ago, right, as we were in the transfer portal window uh, with the guys that we had recruited, right, coming in from high school, um, you know, we had received that announcement of the Big 12. And so, uh, you know, Coach has been well aware, right, us as a staff, that the Big 12 is on the horizon. And so the experience that some of our guys were able to gain this past year, given no experience prior, um, is really important for our Big 12 preparation. And so, yes. Right from a recruiting standpoint, does the Big 12 right get us into a few more uh, doors, a few more opportunities, a few more phone calls or zooms? <laughs> um, you know, and even guys coming on campus that might have been a little different prior to that with the West Coast Conference. Yes, um, and that's going to be really exciting as we head forward right into the future, year in and year out. Certainly, BYU's recruiting advantage is members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who want to come to BYU. Um, given the need to win now, the urgency of how tough the Big 12 is, and as a coaching staff, hey, you got to win now. What is the role of sort of that uh, part of BYU's recruitment? Yeah, I think the recruiting advantage from a BYU standpoint, from the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints standpoint, is really the all-encompassing national and international right presence that BYU has. And that's going to be no different as we go into the Big 12, right? I think the Big 12, right, sees the opportunity that BYU brings, um, you know, for all of uh, the external excitement that 
comes right from cougar nation and from the experience but you know in terms of you know, the individuals that will be on BYU men's basketball team right it's great individuals right that are willing to represent BYU right in a fantastic way and so you know the skill set that comes with that the athleticism that comes with that right the toughness and physicality and competitiveness that's required with that right in order for us to be great and compete in the Big 12, um, you know, that, that's really on an individual basis um, and comes with a lot of, um, you know, diversity in terms of uh, international and national flavor, as well as religious diversity, mm -hmm. cultural diversity. Um, but the key component for, right, recruits and individuals who want to be here is we've got to live up to the BYU standard. And real quick, do you have time to wait for a return missionary at this point and with that level of urgency? You know, in terms of, uh, you know, all the opportunities that are out there, right, it's important that everybody understands what we're getting into. And so uh, that's the key component, right? As a staff, right, we have a, a really, really good understanding. And each individual that walks into the program needs to understand what we're getting ourselves into. Uh, Coach Pope's vision, right, uh, for us heading into the Big 12 is incredible. I'm super excited about it. But it is also extremely, extremely yeah. challenging yes. um, as we walk into right this summer now. He compared it to hiking Mount Everest. So let's gear up and go, man. <laughs> let's, let's do this. Yeah, let's get the gear on. Let's get it, you know, everything that we need and start walking Tip one step at a time. Sounds tough enough right now to me. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Always yep. fascinating. Thanks for the insight. Great. Thanks, guys. Okay, if you miss any interview shows, games, Deep Blues, you can find them on BYUSN.com and the free BYU TV app. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Power rankings. We go one at a time. As far as former BYU athletes go, he is Andrew Mickelson back at Shooting Andrew? Andrew, welcome What's back to up? the show. Sorry, Jan. It's them, not me. <laughs> <laughs> the pride of Canby, Oregon. Canby right. is like a small town south of where my wife's from. I hang out in Canby all the time. It's a great place. It's a great place. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Well, uh, we, we're going to start with just a loaded question here okay and I, and I know you've got an affinity for pat mcafee because yeah. he's a former kicker but he's been watching what you're doing in mma and you've been on his show before yeah. you've been on our show too we've invited you back multiple times and equal things yeah so which show has the better karma is it uh pat mcafee's <laughs> setup or is it byu sports nation i mean this is i've had more appearances on byu sports nation and <laughs> the winds keep coming so i think i think this is something that's uh Giving me the right juju for the cage. Okay. And yeah. it was pretty cool to have you on the Pat McAfee show. It was fun. And for the brand, you know, you got the for shirt. For the brand, it was cool. Yeah. It's, and he's, he's been sponsoring the fights, too. So That's awesome. We, we hit him up every time we get in there and, uh, and coordinate with his guys to wear their logo on the fight trunks. Oh, sweet. So, so he's still cool. involved. I mean, I wouldn't go so far to say that he's still involved, but guys from his team are still involved. I still talk to the, to those guys over there every time I fight. So Super cool. Well, he's got a couple of ties to BYU, and I know he kind of defaults to Kyle Van Noy sometimes when he's looking for clarification on things, but I think yeah. you need to be in the mix in this too. I guess, yeah. When, when I was on, he was talking about Austin Collie too, their time together at the Colts. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, 
He's got respect. He's, He's got, got respect for the BYU guys. He knows. He knows yeah. BYU's coming for his West Virginia Mountaineers, too. Oh, yeah. That's right. In let's, November. Let's, let's, go, let's dude. go, Do you have a year of eligibility, by the way, just in case? We could we could talk Can to we, uh, we could talk to the eligibility guys and dig something up. <laughs> got, a, got a COVID yeah. year. I'm we'll not sure see. earning money as a professional fighter is going to clear NCAA compliance. NIL, whatever. We it's can a different f- sport. It it's a different doesn't sport. Count. <laughs> okay, so you have a fight Friday. Yeah. Who who are you fighting? Where are you fighting? Fighting at the Maverick Center. Fighting against a, a guy out of Las Vegas. Um, so it'll be fun. This is a title fight, and unfortunately. You know, you try and typically have the opponent and all of the negotiations locked down further in advance, but we've been through a couple of different opponents that have had to withdraw for various reasons. And so this is a new opponent, don't know much about him. Mm. Uh, just signed the contract to fight him uh, like less than two weeks ago. Mm. So it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting seeing how it goes. He's a really good jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's a jiu-jitsu coach at a gym down in Las Vegas. Um, so high level submission guy. So mm, my okay goal, then. not to, not, not to spoil the game plan, but my goal is to try and avoid that and, uh, try and keep things on the feet and see what I can do with it. I don't think hand. you're spoiling anything by saying, Hey, I don't, I don't want to like not go into submission. <laughs> I'm not spoiling anything. That's why I divulge. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's pretty clearly the game plan from our side. So yeah. now last time you were in studio B, we were talking about your transition from you know, just kind of like a hobby and fun fights, if you will, into like where you're actually becoming a professional fighter. You've now taken that to the next level. So what have the past few months, even the past year, been like for you as you've made that transition more now towards a formal pro fighter? Yeah, well, quick clarification, not to get technical, but... No, let's um, get technical. Well, I'm actually an amateur still. So... You know, the, the typical um, journey from someone who's never thrown a punch before to professional fighters, you start with some amateur fights. And so I'm five and one in amateur okay. fighting. Okay. And this, this title fight on Friday is for the amateur belt. And so, uh, you know, don't want don't to brag about being a pro quite yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, this will be for the amateur 185 title for Fierce Fighting Championship at the Maverick Center in Salt, or West Valley, technically. Um, but once you kind of fight your way through the ranks and stack up a bunch of wins, um, you kind of get slotted for that title contention spot. Okay. And so that's where I'm at. And if I win the title, when I win the title, mm. humbly, um, then uh, kind of the next step in the progression is then to to go pro. So, okay. So the next fight could be as a pro. That's that's is what it, we're that's what we're t- looking at potentially. Yeah. Is it a different sort of series of of uh, fighting uh, competition? Is it uh, opponent? What makes you pro at that point? Yeah, absolutely. So, first of all, you have to have an a, um, a promotion that is familiar with you and has seen kind of your body of work as an amateur that's willing to now pay you for your fighting. Um, and so I've got a good relationship with this promotion here locally and uh, for Fierce Fighting Championship. And so that's something that we've kind of discussed and it's kind of on the table. Um, but definitely the level of competition takes a few steps up, right? Sure, sure. Um, Guys in the amateur ranks are kind of doing it for the experience, getting that cage time. But then once you go pro, it's it's for real money. And there are guys that once they go pro, that record really counts because if they want to rise through the ranks and make it to a larger promotion like the UFC, 
Um, the UFC really weighs heavily on what their body of work as a professional and in the smaller local promotions has mm. been. So it gets serious. Then guys are actually not like training part-time. You're going against guys that are like trying to make a run at this being their career. So, All right. He is an amateur fighter, a high-level one at that, not quite a pro. Andrew Mickelson <laughs> with close, us though, it on BYU like. Sports Station. Getting yeah. very close. Yeah. How is your family taking to all of this? Depends on who you're talking to in my family. If it's any of my brothers, they're su super stoked. <laughs> if, it's, um, if it's my wife, she knows that I love the game. <laughs> and, uh, she Different kinda, story? She kind of just supports me because she knows it makes me happy. But if I told her that I was quitting tomorrow... I don't think she'd be too bummed about it. So we'll just leave it at that. It's a, it's an ongoing conversation with her, but she's, she's been so awesome supporting me and, and letting me take time and go train regularly and helping me with the weight cuts, cooking good food for me to start shedding off the LBs during the, during the fight camp. So it's been good. You're in the middle of that, I take it. Cause I'm in the middle fighting. of it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hungry. I walked past all your snacks and it just, <laughs> just made me agitated. I was like, what snacks? Uh, yeah, th those yeah. aren't our snacks. Yeah, those are, yeah there's probably, no snacks here, guys. It's probably Studio C. And, yeah, uh, it's they somebody got the else. Budget there. Uh, but I encourage people to watch your Deep Blue. They get to know wow. kind of your story even better. One of your brothers, is he a, a coach? Does, is he working at a gym or something? Not a coach. Okay. Uh, he is kind of the one that got me into fighting. So when I was in mm -hmm. high school, he had graduated, and he was actually getting ready for his mission. And what better way to prepare for preaching the gospel than to go and punch people in the face. <laughs> so and then later uh, you do it spiritually with the Book of Mormon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> spiritually and less spiritually, depending on some of the situations he ran into on his mission. But uh, no, so my brother after high school decided to take up that, that new endeavor and linked up with the team out in the uh, Portland area and got really good. And so funny enough, his first MMA fight was the night before he got set apart wow. to no leave way. on his mission. Wow. So we all went up to like Seattle at this big event center and, and he went out and luckily he took care of business quickly and uh, got the knockout win. And then the very next morning, totally unscathed, I think his hand was a little sore, but he... Uh, no went, bruises, no cuts? Nothing, luckily. That's nice. So uh, then he got set apart and went on his way. <laughs> and then when he came home from his mission, he, uh, he continued pursuing that and, and had a pretty good career. Um, he doesn't do it as much anymore, but he still trains. And so just watching him and being a fan of the UFC, I was just so intrigued by the sport, but mm. had my sights set on football. Right, and mm -hmm. so that was more of a priority. Always was a fan of the fighting stuff, but thought maybe you know that's for another time. And then yeah. after a year or two of you know being out of the BYU football game, I was kind of getting the itch. My brother had moved out to Utah and was training, and so he just let me tag along, and then it kind of just snowballed from there to what it is today. And you want to become pro? Is that where we're at with this? Um, we need to cut this. So my wife doesn't watch this part, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> if there were a title for today's show, it would be punching people in the face and sharing the gospel. That's right. That, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yes. That's, right. that's awesome. What's your favorite part about being in the ring? Uh, probably when the fight's over <laughs> and my hands are in the air and I know I just won. That's probably the favorite part. Um, 
like running into Lavelle Edwards with a packed house, people screaming at the top of their lungs, and we're playing against a good opponent, like this is a, this is a game with implications, that's such a crazy feeling. And I wouldn't say that fighting is, is more exhilarating than that, but it's just different, sure. right? The setting is completely different. You're getting into a cage in your underwear and you're trying not to get knocked out by some guy, you know? And so you're kind of going out there and about to throw hands with somebody. It's, it's, it's a very interesting mm. kind of primal feeling. Um, but that being said, all of the pressure and the anxiety and the nerves going into that, when you land the finishing punch and you know right there as your opponents like fall into the canvas, like it's over and I've like, gotten to the top of the mountain, at least for this one. It's, it's a crazy feeling. It's unlike any other feeling of victory yeah. that I could describe. Really, really cool though, really fun. I recommend it to anybody that, uh, <laughs> that wants to give it a go. Come, come train with us and we'll get you in there. Is that the loneliest feeling you experience once you get in there? Or do you feel sort of a team aspect with other people around you? Because it is truly the original sport which is hand-to-hand -hand combat. Yeah, I don't know if i describe it as lonely. I mean, it is mano y mano, right? But you got your coaches and some of your teammates that are in your corner, and they're just right on the other side of the fence. Um, but reality is when the adrenaline's pumping, mm -hmm. and especially when the crowd starts getting involved, sometimes you can't even hear your corner that's screaming, and they're a distance from about me to you. Sometimes you're just zoned in, right? And it's the repetitions that you spend countless hours in the gym practicing that just kind of come out, you know, naturally in, in the cage and, and you don't really think at that point, so. This is your seventh fight. You're five and one as an yeah. amateur. Yeah. We'll finish with this. How did the one loss make you a better fighter? Oh man, we don't have enough time for that. Okay, so my one loss, um, was against a guy who was a high, high-level wrestler, state champ in high school, wrestled for the U.S. national team. Wow. Um, and was one of the top-ranked amateur fighters in the country. Guy out of Arizona. Um, and, you know, as we were, that was another situation where he wasn't my original opponent. I had somebody else that was kind of signed that contract and I was going to fight. And so I was expecting somebody else for most of that fight camp. And for whatever reason, he, he had to pull out due to injury or something. And so we found this guy as a last-minute replacement. And looking at the matchup, he had definitely the edge and experience. And when you're wrestling from the time you're in diapers, Oof. there's nothing a guy like me can do to make up that gap just in a year and a half of training, right? So, um, but we were up for the challenge. The guy was undefeated, um, had a few more fights than I had. Um, but if there's ever a way to kind of push yourself and kind of get that measuring stick of where you are compared to the top level talent in the rest of the country. What an opportunity. So went out, it ended up being a, a pretty, pretty back and forth fight, to be honest. Um, I definitely got the upper hand in the striking and, and landed some good damage. Um, but he just was able to turn on that wrestling um, switch and so he ended up controlling me for the majority of the fight so where I landed more damage he kind of controlled the pace and the you know where the fight was going so it ended up being a decision and uh, he won 28-29 uh, so oh man yeah lost mm. lost to the judges on that one but 
It was the first time I'd ever taken a fight past the first round. And so we went all three rounds. It was the most exhausted I've ever been in my <laughs> life. And uh, it, was, it was really cool because even though it was a loss, I felt like in many ways I got the upper hand in that matchup. And if there was ever a way to have that learning experience and, and have a loss, it, that would be kind of the ideal situation. Okay. Right? So against a really top talent guy um, and where you don't really land much damage or absorb much damage and you deliver a lot more damage, so. Fascinating. Yeah. Hey, we know your fight's huge on Friday. We're gonna give you a Good huge luck. Yeah. dose of the it's BYU awesome. Sports Nation karma. Friday, Heck Maverick yeah. Center, Andrew Mickelson. Hit me up for there. tickets. Let's yeah. go. I got a ticket link. I'll send it out to people who wanna come support. So. Love awesome. that. Yeah. Good luck. Appreciate it, guys. Coming on. Always great t uh, connecting and chatting, fighting with you guys. It's yeah. fun. Got it, man. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Time to whip it! Game time who? <laughs> Cougar Whip Round presented by Maris, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's Football Power Index has BYU ranked 60th and 13th out of the 14 Big 12 teams. Kansas ranked 68th. Could BYU be ranked below the other three incoming Big 12 teams? No, but I don't really care that much because Houston's 54 and Cincinnati's 48. Like, it just... Whatever. Like, they're all kind of really close to each other, so I don't really care that much. It's April 18th. Uh, I ain't sweating <laughs> it too much. It's all good. Um, and, and ultimately, BYU operates better from being the underdog than it does the favorite. So yeah. I would love for BYU to feel slighted, and that, that affects their preparation and their motivation um, in the offseason. And then, hey, if you go 8-5 and five and you're the seventh best team in the league or eighth or whatever, fantastic. You're 8-5 and five and you just lost your quarterback. BYU is right where they should be, statistically speaking, in this football power index, number 60, right in the middle of the pack. Going overachieve, and they will. Yeah. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler polled NFL scouts and executives about the quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. The return was Jaron Hall's draft ceiling was third round, and his floor was fifth round. So splitting the difference, is Jaron higher or lower than a fourth round quarterback? We're gonna see next weekend. Uh, certainly think he's a, a, a day three guy. If he's a day two guy at the, in, the, in the third round somewhere, oh, that's amazing. But if he's fourth or fifth, that's great too. I, I'm not that uh, concerned. He's probably early fifth round. Don't be surprised to see him sneaking late fourth round though. Yeah. Joel Donati has BYU as the final of the next four teams out, basically eighth out, in his newest practicology released this morning. Are you surprised? Very. I'm very surprised that this so has happened. Like, so am I. That's maybe fun. he loves Ali Khalifa. And that's the difference for BYU. You get a ball-dominant guard that can score? Now we're talking. Again, it's April 18th. It's all good. We got to fill an hour. <laughs> I get it. Uh, one year ago, Andrew Mickelson, former BYU kicker, started down an MMA path. This weekend, he's fighting for an amateur title. And he's in studio next. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The top five most impactful transfers not named Keaton Slovis will give you our list. A.J. Vong Pachan. 
from uh, Utah State on his decision to join the Cougars as a linebacker. Had over 100 tackles last year. Awesome. 43 runs in a baseball game. What in the world happened between BYU and Utah? And women's hoops incoming freshman Kaylee Woolston, who has yeah. serious range. She'll join the program. Why BYU? Why the Big 12? Here are today's headlines. Let's open with BYU football and linebacker A.J. Vangpachan, who has transferred from Utah State hey. officially to Brigham Young University, a four-year starter for the Aggies in Logan, not Ogden, in Logan. In 2022, yeah. he compiled 36 solo tackles, 101 total, two sacks, two forced fumbles. He has one year to play for BYU. ESPN's Jordan Reed, final NFL draft rankings are out. Blake Freeland, number 58 overall, seventh offensive tackle. Puka Nakua, number 159. 22 among receivers, Jaron Hall number 199, 9th among quarterbacks. And Caleb Hayes makes the list at 369 and number 46 among cornerbacks. We will hear from Jordan Reed coming up uh, in the next couple days. BYU baseball, this is real, loses to Utah at home 29 to 14. What in the world? In a more than four hour melee. 29 to 14, the team's Combined for 43 runs, which is a Miller Park record. Utah's 29 runs on 20 hits, Miller Park record. <sighs> BYU again with 14 runs and lost by 15. Utah had five home runs, 26 runs batted in, <laughs> hit 417 as a team, and had an on-base percentage, again, as a team of 547. It was Star Wars night, you know what? Sometimes the Death Star blows up a planet. In this case, it was BYU's planet. I don't even know what to think of this. This is, uh, this is terrible on all fronts. Number six, men's volleyball plays Concordia Irvine today in the MPSF quarterfinals, 6.05 Eastern time on Flow Sports. Got to pay to watch. And Mix Romanis was named to the MPSF first team. Gavin Julian, honorably mentioned. Trent Mosier was on the all-freshman team. BYU softball looking to bounce back after a tough 1-0 loss against number 5 Stanford. They'll do so on the road at Utah Valley. In 51 previous meetings, BYU has won 46 of them, including the last two meetings. The Cougars 22-13 on the season. They're out of conference play this week before they hop back into WCC action. Robinson Invitational begins today for track and field. The men are ranked 6th, the women are ranked 11th, but number 1 in our hearts. Claire Seymour ranks 2nd in the 800. Kenneth Rooks also 2nd nationally in the steeplechase. 10 Cougars are top 10 ranked overall so far this season. Emily Astle and Jackie Dunyon of BYU Women's Tennis are the West Coast Conference Doubles Team of the Week. First women's duo chosen in that regard this season. 6-2, or 6-2 to two versus the number one doubles pair in the country from Pepperdine. Astle is 9-6 this season in doubles. Dunyon is 8-4. The team overall 4-3 in West Coast Conference play. Michael Rucker pitched an inning in a win over Oakland, facing three batters with a strikeout and a walk for the Cubs. He continues to pitch well. BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo wrote a message to the entirety of Cougar Nation, all BYU fans, regarding pertinent questions and issues that have recently arisen as it pertains to BYU football season tickets, how they are made available to fans for purchase, and the restructuring of prices and seats, among other things. We're going to read the entirety of that letter now because I know that many of you are very passionate about this. And I quote Tom Homo, Cougar Nation, thank you so much for all of the support you continue to provide BYU Athletics. As we look forward to our first season competing in Big 12 football, we are excited to have seen so much added interest in our football program 
and specifically from so many wanting tickets for the 2023 season. With our ticket base expanding, we knew there would be some growing pains. We realize this has meant that some have been displaced from previous seats and some have been priced out of season tickets. But we have been able to provide all active Cougar Club members who opted in to buy season tickets the opportunity to buy tickets this season. We ask for your patience and understanding through this process. The fact is that the demand is outpacing the supply for season tickets available. While we understand the frustration from some about what it means for them, overall, this is a very good thing and a very good sign of the health of our program among fans, alumni, donors, and corporate sponsors. A rising tide lifts all boats. But just because there is more demand for tickets, Homo continues, that doesn't mean we've raised ticket prices or displaced ticket holders simply because we could. The truth is that we need to do this. We need strong, better, and new revenue generation processes. And while this helps make us competitive with other athletic departments, this also is not about keeping up with the Joneses. Ultimately, this is about putting our athletic department in the best position possible to take care of our student athletes, hire and retain the best coaches and staff possible, and put together the best product we can, that all of Cougar Nation can be proud of, and that can promote the mission and aims of Brigham Young University in the very best ways. As football season ticket renewals wrap up, we will begin a similar process starting up for basketball in June. Similarly, we anticipate demand outpacing supply. Striving for continual improvement and all we do is our desire, ultimately benefiting all of Cougar Nation. Stick with us, be patient, the future looks bright, go Cougs. Tom, I agree with this. Um, BYU has had, uh, you know, uh, season tickets that have been fairly reasonable for a while. Are, th are they gonna cost more? Yes, for the reasons that Tom outlined. And uh, to compete, you gotta have the money and uh, BYU certainly is doing it for the reasons to compete. Like if you want the best coaches and, and uh, you know everything, you need to pay for it. You get what you pay for. The market has changed significantly. The supply and demand in regard to that market change is understandable. I thought it was well-crafted. I know he cares deeply about every BYU fan, like and how they feel about this and the frustrations. And yeah, obviously like it's become enough of a situation that he felt he needed to officially address this, and I thought he did a nice job with it. Ultimately, you can't appease everybody, nor should you try. You gotta do what's best for BYU, and that's what Tom is doing. That's why he's the athletic director. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that takes care of that. Headlines out. On to what's trending. So all rise and shout. Let's roll out today's edition of What's Trending. Keaton is our starter, and I wanna make I wanna make that clear. Yeah. The transfer portal, we're gonna be active in it. We envision adding a few spots and a few guys that can help, you know, make our roster more Big 12 ready. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. That Eastern Washington field is brutal. That was tough. It's hard to look at. Yeah, that was sure. Eddie Heckard highlights. Right? Hard to look at. That's sure. uh, we were staying. The list of BYU football transfers grows. Oh it's becoming more and more prominent, and there are some big names in there. I, I, it, the, with Even though the list gets longer, Jerem, I, I think things for me just get a little bit more exciting because BYU clearly is a place that a lot of guys want to be involved in as they push into a Power 5 conference. Um, the quarterback, understandably, is going to be, by nature of his position and what he does, the fact that he touches the ball on every offensive play, 
going to be the most impactful player. Like, BYU got that transfer. So Keaton Slovis is clearly the most impactful transfer yeah, that next. will yeah, affect BYU this season. But after that, where does the list go? So as you look at all of the transfers that have come in, who is your top five of most impactful transfers not named Keaton Slovis? Aiden Robinson, number one uh, after Keaton. So number two overall. But yeah, running back out of UNLV, got to be the bell cow, got to be good. If he's not good, it's going to be tough for BYU to be successful this year. By the way, PFF grade of 75 last year, uh, which is pretty good. Um, number two for me, Paul Miley. Uh, starting center at Utah. Interesting. Transferring down to BYU. If he's not the starting center, he's going to be a starting guard. I would imagine that Connor Pay will be the starting center. Uh, Connor did a really nice job last year, number one pass blocker in the country, uh, among, uh, I think just overall, straight up. And then uh, Paul Miley was the center on a P5 champ uh, at Utah, played in the Rose Bowl. He can slide in at guard. He has a massive impact on an O-line that Aaron Roderick is very excited about, being as, as long and athletic as last year's, if not more. Number three, Eddie Heckard, cornerback, Weber State. All-American at the FCS level, NFL potential type guy. Uh, playmaker, slots in right away as a starter. Guess what? He's going to be thrown at a lot yep. in the Big 12. Number four, Isaiah Banya, defensive end, Boise State. BYU is going to be more aggressive with its front four. Those edge rushers need to do more, uh, and he is going to have an impact. The guy that had 10 sacks in his four-year career at Boise State, had six in one year uh, in 2021. Certainly looking for him to recapture that comes with Kelly Papinga. Number five, A.J. Vongpachan. Uh, linebacker who had over 100 tackles at Utah State. That's a, an area of, uh, uh, if it's not deep, then it's shallow, right, for BYU linebackers. You have Ben Bywater and Max Tooley, and then it's kind of some young guys after that. A.J. fits in perfectly. We'll talk to him coming up. In a scheme where BYU probably is only rolling out two linebackers, in my opinion, most of the time I think we'll see a 4-2-5. We'll see a nickel with four down linemen a lot. Depends on the situation and the down and distance, certainly. But I think 4-2-5 is going to be something BYU uses a lot. If AJ is not a starter, he's playing a lot um, with Ben Bywater and Max Tooley, a guy who had 10.5 tackles for loss as well and had a couple forced fumbles and fumble recoveries and TFLs and pass breakups, a guy that can kind of do it all, which is exciting. Those are my top five outside of Keaton Slovis. Our top five are the same, just some differences in the order there. I'm with you. Aiden Robbins because of what the running back position means at BYU and what it's going to mean to in, Keaton Slovis to try and take some pressure off. Yes, it's in the game of football. Behind that offensive line, he should be. He should be the second most impactful transfer for BYU behind the quarterback. Number two, we, we differ a little bit. Uh, you have Paul Miley. I have him a little bit further down my list just because I believe he will be the guard. If he were the center, like if Paul Miley is going to play center – then I'm probably more in line with you, and I have him a little bit higher up the list. It's just tougher to be an impact player in a big way as a guard. It, it, it just it, Paul would have to be like ex, exceptional, like NFL draft pick style type player at guard to move up that list because it just, it's just tough. It's just not a position that gets noticed a lot. We can notice it. We can. We can choose to notice yeah, it. And yeah. we can look at maybe pro football focus grades come out mid-season, half of the season. They yeah. say, oh, my sure. gosh, Paul Miley was unbelievable. He was like, he was the next great BYU offensive lineman. He was in the 90s. And then, yeah, he, he moves up that list. It doesn't have to list. be 90s. No, none of these guys are going to be in the 90s. Yeah. 
Just saying it as a guard, which is where I anticipate he will play, I feel like it's a little tougher to make as loud of an impact, which is why I have Eddie Heckard at number two. And yes, I'm with you. The Big 12, they are going to sling the rock all over the field. This is what the Big 12 Conference does. There are a ton of good, valuable, experienced quarterbacks that BYU are going to go up against. Eddie Heckard's going to be tested often. I would love to see an uptick in interceptions, Jeremy. It just, it's kind of disappeared for BYU in the last few years. Like it just, it Some just, of that's luck. You know, yeah, it's not all skill to get an interception. Maybe Eddie Heckard is so good that quarterbacks throw away from him, and it creates opportunities for other guys for more havoc plays in the secondary. Maybe the yeah, defensive line if, actually gets to the quarterback and yeah. creates more interception opportunities. Yeah. If the sack number goes up, that's potential picks sure, go down. Sure, you have to have a quarterback has to throw you the ball. And, uh, there has to be a tip sometimes. Yeah. I don't know a percent of turnovers are, are just sort of lucky, but there is a percentage. Like, in 2016, BYU had 31 takeaways, and we were like, can they equal it? Maybe. It's like, no, no there's no way. That was Come crazy. That now. was crazy. Come on now. I want Isaiah Banyan to be a top three impact transfer. So I'm leading with my heart a little bit on this list. Like, I want him, which is why I have him in my top three, to be that guy for BYU as an edge rusher. We just haven't had a super impactful edge rusher in a very long time. It's not Bronson Confuci, maybe Corbin to a degree. Yeah. And Corbin even played backer for a minute. Yeah. So I the want, scheme I didn't want allow it. It's like just make plays. Isaiah Banya to be that guy yeah. for BYU and sure. an impact transfer. I have Paul Miley at number four, and then exactly the same as you, AJ Vongpachan. Because of yeah, it's a four three scheme, but you're right. I feel like BYU's best athletes right now, the coaches kind of feel like having five in the secondary is putting the best 11 on the field. Well, and, on and it's, basis. okay, if there's five wide, you know, or what's, Absolutely. what's the personnel like? You like yes. Ben Bywater on the tight end, though. You like Max Tule on the tight end. These Both guys are super athletic, have done guys. it before, have proven that they can yeah. do it before. Um, and, and kind of who's the nickel? That's still to be determined a little bit in the secondary. We thought that might be George Udo. He is leaving. So you know who's not on this list and that I don't want to see on this list? Jake Retzloff, because we want Keaton Slovis to be healthy. Yes, Otherwise, Jake Retzloff for sure makes this uh, list. Other What's guys, wild is this list could change tomorrow. There could be more additions tomorrow. I Yeah, there's one tackle coming in that we're waiting to be officially announced so we can talk about it on the air um, that could be on this list, right, from a, a fellow Power Five, even in the Big 12. Um, Waylon Lapuahu could be on this list. Um, Ian Fitzgerald could be on this list. Jackson Cravens at D-Tackle could certainly be on this list. I imagine that BYU will get another receiver. I'm hoping that that receiver could be on this list. I'm hoping for another edge rusher, frankly. Um, and, and what I asked this the other day. I'll ask it again. What position, besides quarterback, if BYU added somebody notable, would you not want at, at any spot on the team right now? I wonder if kicker is one that BYU needs to look at. I mentioned a couple of days ago. Um, if they love who they've got, great. I just want to, I want to feel confident that, hey, if we attempt a 52-yard field goal, that, hey, we feel like this is going to go in because we need to score points. It's going to be in some close games and some shootouts. A field goal here or there, a takeaway here or there. Gonna an make extra a point big, for crying out loud point. could determine gonna, the game. If you can't make extra points, you stink. But, yes, like every, everything matters. Um, so I wonder at receiver, D-line, maybe kicker. Um, you can always add to every position. I think quarterback, BYU feels comfortable at the moment. But it's like every other position, if random P5 or notable G5 guy or FCS like Eddie Heckard came in, 
welcome all of that. BYU needs all of the depth they can have because they've never been in the trenches as long as they will have been this season. Ten power fives. Never done that. Boy, that offensive line all of a sudden, you know, with the unnamed tackle that is coming in, now feels like they have some real depth to go with Connor Pay and Kingsley Sumatia and Braden Kine because if you've got Waylon Lapuaho, you know, and Paul Miley there, and then still more to be announced on top of like guys you're developing. Yep. I'm I'm That's kind good. of with Daryl Funk. I feel good. Like you, you lose some big names this year, but he feels like they'll be just fine. I can see why more and more he's feeling that way. Yeah. And you have a first round potential left tackle. That always is a good thing, man. <laughs> Amen. That's always awesome. Amen. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The man we're about to talk to, Caleb Hayes, doing his thing for BYU football as a defensive back, now with those NFL dreams and the draft quickly approaching. Caleb, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. How are you feeling one week away from the NFL draft? Man, it's just all mixed emotions, man. Uh... Nervous, anxious, excited, like, you know, this is all coming to one and, you know, just been waiting a whole month. Uh, you know, it's kind of a surreal feeling, but, you know, it's a great feeling to uh, be experiencing, you know, I'm definitely in my shoes and uh, I know the other boys will feel the same. We're excited because we always got a, a heavy dose of involvement in this year's draft, of course, yourself included. How are you feeling about your chances at uh, perhaps being drafted or no lower than a priority free agent? Should it come to that? Uh, I feel great, man. Um, I think, I honestly think, you know, my uh, my stock has risen. So, you know, it depends on, like, you know, what team really messed with me and what team not. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think I showed out what well, we had 32 teams that day. And like, you know, uh, they would turn on film and everything like that. I think my odds and chances is pretty high. So you mentioned the 32 teams that were watching and were there for BYU's Pro Day. And an incredible turnout for sure. Which of those teams have, in your opinion, expressed the most interest in you? I would say there's, there's, there's quite a few. There's quite a few of. Uh, Definitely, you know, I'll say the ones that I went to, like, you know, the Chargers, uh, the Broncos, 30 visit. Um, I had a couple of interviews um, with, like, the 49ers and, like, you know, other interviews with certain other teams. But, you know, like, all of them, man, um, it's, it's great. You know, it's great to be seen and wanted, man. That's one thing. Um, and, you know, it's just a blessed opportunity and, like, a privilege uh to be able to go out there and, like, you know, showcase my talents. And uh, I thank God for that. And, you know, just got to keep on moving, just keep on working, you know. I got to keep on working. I just dug myself a deeper hole. That's all I did. But uh, it is great. It's great, man. What was the interest like in you before Pro Day and then once you have a 40-inch vertical and a 4-3-1-40 after Pro Day? I would say before Pro Day and everything, like, you know, name is heard of. Uh, definitely went to the NFL PA Bowl, showed out my talents. I think, and I believe I bogged out there. Um, so, you know, it was, a, I think I kind of sparked interest, like, uh, from then on. And, like, you know, the um, pro day was just the icing on the cake. 
But um, not the cherry on top. Like I said, like I said, <laughs> hey, not the cherry on top because I still got to go out there and uh, wherever team that uh, lands me and picks me, I still got to dominate there. So uh, and win in that situation. So uh, yeah, that's what it is, man. Obviously, incredible marks. And, and Jerem just mentioned them: a four-three-one forty and a forty-inch vertical. Just out of curiosity, what's your fastest recorded forty? And your highest vertical mark that you, that you have ever done, whether people are saw it or not. I'll say the four three one is probably uh, about my fastest. Like I don't really. Uh, <laughs> it's a way that you say that. My friends though, they don't joke about it because I just never run fast like as much as I wanted to. Uh, and that's just because, like, you know, there's actually no need. But I knew I could run like really fast. Like that wasn't a bit of issue like track like in high school like you know, i always did that uh 40 i hit 40 at oregon state and actually the 40 and um for that i hit a 439 at oregon state i jumped over uh, 40 inch vert uh we did like our own little um, pro day over there and uh you know I, I knew i had to i knew i was gonna test well that's one thing i just wanted like i wanted to dominate in all factors i wanted it just to be about me that day um, to show them, like, hey, you know, uh, you're getting all-inclusive package, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all what you need. Like, you know, it's a, it's a matter of just, you know, uh, believing in me and like building me up. But yeah, I've been doing the, um, I've been doing my my abilities. Uh, you know, made some, uh, made some best the teammates, but you know, uh, it, it. <laughs> I proved a lot of people wrong, man. And um, I'm happy that I did so. And just got to keep on, keep at it. We're going to start calling you Cancun uh, because you're all inclusive, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> I love that. Um, what was your favorite or best play at BYU? And why was it back to back breakups against USC in 2021? Uh, big play, big play. I do, I do love the Baylor one, man. Uh, last play, the guy was trying to throw it in my. Uh, my wide receiver, uh, I, you know, it, it was definitely a team effort. It was definitely a team effort. Uh, that time, I just, how you say, he th- he just threw it to him. I seen I was just on it, and there was no chance. And you know, I was just, you know, that was just a great team win, and that was very memorable for me at least because, like, it wasn't just honestly about me. It was just about like everybody did their job so perfectly, and it just helped me to be in the right position to even uh, be close enough so the quarterback can't even make a he has, he has to make a tough throw. So and then we won that game and that was very exciting, very exhilarating. Um and you said the USC what man, I don't know man. I think they just don't like me over there. So like they just kept picking <laughs> at me. It was like it wasn't gonna work. So uh and you know it was Ah, that, that that was a crazy game as well, man. Because like it was very close, life uh, down to the wire, and like you know that was a good team. So, uh, I, you know things just happen. I just have to be on my p's and q's and uh, just did my job. You know that's what I'm supposed to do. Former BYU defensive back, NFL hopeful Caleb Hayes is on BYU Sports Nation. I want to go back to something you brought up with you know some wagers that you had with your teammates. I think I was talking to Maury Bamba. If I recall on Pro Day, and he said, oh, man, now I got to pay up to Caleb because he didn't think you were going to run as fast as you did. How many side bets did you have going on on Pro Day? Hey, I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, 
when I first got into BYU and everything, everybody was talking about, I forgot how the conversation got brought up, but everybody was talking about, like, who's the fastest uh, BYU and everything like that. And, you know, I at this point, I kind of filled everybody out and everything, just, like, you know, try to um, see what's going on. And <laughs> somebody, I, I told I said, you know, I think I'm the fastest one at BYU. And that's kind of where it started. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, heck no. Nah. Like, you know, <laughs> like, that's not, that's not true. You know, you can't put work. Like, and I'm like, nah, like, you know, I kind of see speed. Like, you know, I think I'm faster than everybody else. But, you know, hey, we'll, we'll just see a club on pro day, you know, by them. And uh, they're like, oh, I will bet. He's like, what time did you do? You know, Coach G's gaslighting the whole situation. He knows I'm fast. <laughs> gaslighting everybody. So he's just like, nah, 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 you're not fast. You're not fast. <laughs> but he but he does. He knew. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a lot in the DB room because, you know, everybody think they're fast and everything like that, which, you know, uh, they are, but I'm just faster. So uh, <laughs> I'm just glad that, you know, I did, uh, did my wagers back then because, like, I have to bet on myself, and that's what you do, right? You have to bet on yourself all the time. Uh, don't get it wrong, though. I was nervous. Cause I was like, do I still have a 4-3 in me? And then when I started running and doing my own combine training and everything like that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be easy money. <laughs> and I think you literally uh, got some money from that. Uh, we're talking to Cancun on BYU Sports. I'm, I'm going with it. Um, let, let's talk <laughs> about um, that speed because Chris Wilcox in 2020 ran a 4-3-1. He snuck into the seventh round of the Bucks. <laughs> Do you feel like you can get into the draft, it, it, or, or does that matter to you? Because a lot of guys will say, I'd rather be a free agent and have a great fit than be drafted by whoever in the sixth or seventh round. Or does being drafted matter to you? I guess I guess it depends. Like, no, it does matter, man. Like, any, everything matters. Um, it's the opportunity. Like, you know, it's, it's being drafted, you know, it's a uh, – it's a great, like, you know, it's a great feeling. I already, I, I can already tell. Um, I will say it matters. You know, I do want to be in a great fit to where, you know, I'm not just there for just space. I'm there to actually compete and actually be seen. Because, uh, like, like, you know, that's what everybody would do. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be seen uh, no matter where I end up. Um, and that's just not just by, like, you know, just talk like you know i'm gonna I'm a show up and like you know at the end of the day whoever is gonna be at camp and like uh gonna be on the field you know they got showcased themselves so uh i'm just proved and that's just how i've been throughout my life i'm just just working just uh prove myself every day to get on that field and they uh make sure they know i belong so it's a it, it's it's a mission it's a grind um i won't say it's mission impossible but you know it's a it's gonna it's gonna be fun, man, and um, I'm excited. I can't wait to get on whatever team I'm at and like just dominate. Caleb Hayes is on BYU Sports Station. One week away from the NFL draft. Let's say all 32 teams are again listening to this interview, Caleb. What's your sales pitch about what you would bring to each of those teams and the skill set that you take with you? I'll say the first thing and foremost, man. Like you know, I'm a I'm a team player. Like, you know, I love to win. Uh, their interest is my interest. Um, I'm trying to win championships. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to win games. You know, I'm trying to be the best man I can be on and off the field. Uh, and like, you know, just represent my family and God, you know. 
um, and those who supported me throughout my way. So, you know, this is not just a single man show, you know, this is uh, everybody's in it. Everybody's inclusive in this um, experience of me. Uh, but um, if that's how you say it, but um, I would say like, you know, my best skill sets, my, like, you know, I have a high football IQ. Uh, I can match up with, any, with anybody. Um, you know, people love my man skills. You know, I feel I fit great in zones. I understand the game of football. Uh, and like, you know, special teams is no, um, I don't shy away from those as well. You know, throughout my career, I always play special teams and that's just what I do. I know that's going to be first and foremost. And like, you know, that's where I'm going to get my money at, which is great because, you know, uh, if that's all I have to do, like, shoot, I can contribute any type of way. Um, making sure, like, you know, I got to do what I got to do on the field. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I actually, it's funny because I actually did a, like a little interview. It's kind of posted up somewhere. Uh, but basically, like, you know, if you believe in me and invest in me, like, and show that, you know, you want me to be on, on your team and know me for one like, I'm, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure things are going to get done, like, no matter what, um, in whatever position or um, situation you put me in. Like, I always emphasize this now because, like, you know, this is just something I'll say, like, now, like, it's just win. Everything I do is just win. So that's what you're going to get from me, man. Caleb, it probably goes without saying, but we are Team Hayes. On BYU Sports Nation. Let's we go, baby. cannot wait to watch how this thing unfolds for you. Commend you and congratulate you on all the hard work you put in with those incredible numbers and uh, the case that you've created for yourself to get drafted. Good luck, man. Take some BYU Sports Nation karma. We'll be watching. And uh, like I said, we super anticipate where you end up in the NFL. I appreciate y'all, man. Thank you for um, giving me on this interview. Uh, it's been nice. It's been nice to be serving uh, BYU and playing for y'all, man. Um, all love to Coach Kalani, all love to uh, Coach G and my teammates. Um, and, man, and all love to the BYU fans, man. Hey, I love all y'all, man. I appreciate you guys for my journey. And, like, you know, it ain't over yet. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And, uh, like I said, like, everything, <clears throat> everything that led up to this, like, it's because of thanks of y'all. And we're going to get this show on the road, man. Let's go. Thanks, Caleb. Great to talk with you, man. Great to talk to y'all, man. Let's go. Let's get it. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. The brothers from BYU Baseball, Cole and Tate Gamble. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello, homies. What's up? Thanks for having us. Have we had brothers in the studio besides the Rexes, maybe? We had the Rexes on on uh, second pair of bros. Was, was that, that media day? Spring media. Spring day media of sorts. day. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Good to have brothers in. Yes. Awesome. All right. Let's get. Let's address the elephant in the room. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. How do you, as brothers, <laughs> both yes. body language, yeah. console each other and work through things mentally after losing the way you did to Utah? What What is the way that you can move on and just get to a better place? Man, that's tough. 
You go ahead. Uh, I don't know. Uh, for me, it was just a quick run to in and out and uh, try to get to bed early so I can wake up and go right back to work the next day. Uh, a double-double and a yeah. little shake. For That'll sure. solve a lot of it problems. A lot. It really did. It was definitely the wildest game of my life. I played a long mm. time, obviously, and played a lot of games. I've never been a part of a game like that. So uh, I'm glad it's over for sure. But at the same time, you always have to just remember it is just one game. Uh, in baseball, you get to play so many, so you just got to jump to the next one. I was telling you during the break, while Utah wins that game by 15 runs, BYU had a 17-run win against Utah within the last decade. <laughs> so there's that too, there right? It happens. There you go. Yeah, it does it, happen. It happens. Okay, you get right back at it uh, with UNC Greensboro, which we'll talk about in a minute. But let's talk about it's kind of the brotherly dynamic. What's it like to play on the same team? Uh, as brothers. Uh, we'll start with you, Cole. Yeah, it's been so fun. I, we, and one thing we were talking about before we came here today is we've never really played a lot of competitive baseball games on the same team together. Mm-hmm. We might have been on the same high school team, but we were a couple years apart. And because What's the of, age difference? Uh, it's a year and a half and two years in school. And so because of that in high school, we never played really on the same team. Um, and, and even growing up and going into junior college first and now at, here at BYU. Before BYU, we'd never gotten to play real competitive baseball games together so being on the same team i know coming into the year we were both uh we were both pretty thrilled and it's been a ton of fun a mission and four years in college can certainly help i guess five years with COVID or whatever right yeah which is pretty cool how was it for you tate uh it's it's been a dream come true i've always been dreaming about it you know because even when we were growing up playing backyard baseball like we were always on different teams because you got the four brothers i'd always be with the middle one he'd always be with the youngest um, so when I had an opportunity with COVID, honestly, biggest blessing, even though it was kind of, it was a weird time, but it was a blessing because Cole got an extra year and I was able to come here and we were able to hang out and play. So it's been a lot of fun. How do both of you view each other in a game scenario? Are there extra nerves when you're watching your sibling play? Like, how does that work for you, Cole? That, that's a, that's an interesting one. I hate to say this because I love all my teammates, but I do care a little bit more when he- <laughs> When he's hitting, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when he's hitting and stuff, like I'll I'll pay attention just a little bit more, and I'm actually thinking a little bit more about what might be happening. Not that it, I mean, really helps. I'm in the dugout, not doing anything, but uh, I do care a little bit more when he's hitting, and I pay attention a little bit more what's going on. So, how about you, too? Yeah, I'm always kind of a loud vocal guy, but people have definitely pointed out that I'm a little louder when Cole goes up to the plate. So, <laughs> it's it's definitely it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always wanted his success. Um, Ever since I was a little kid, it's always been fun going to his games and just watching him play and um, have him setting the example for me. So I've always rooted him a little a little extra. I've been a huge fan of yours already just because of your name, because I have a son named Tate. Yeah. Same spelling as you. My middle name's Tate. So, yeah, we got a connection. Yeah. Let's talk about your uh, sneakers, dude. Oh, These man. are legit, bro. It the Air like Force Uptempo 95. Right. Looks like you're ready to go right now. Yeah, I know. I'm ready to go ball. Um, always ready, always packing. Uh, I actually stole these from my little brother. He's on his mission. Sorry, Cade. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> That's awesome. Let's talk about the, the family dynamic, because obviously you two are here at BYU. You both went to Argentina on your mission. There's a lot of solid community college in the family, mm-hmm. except you went to College of Southern Idaho. Yeah. So what, what role does kind of baseball play in the Gamble household? It's a crazy one. I mean, it's we've all played since we were young kids. Uh, we all played, obviously, going up through high school. I would say none of us in high school were very heavily recruited, and, and for that exact reason is probably why we all found ourselves in junior college, right? My one brother who hasn't started college yet, he's on a mission, and he'll go to Salt Lake as well. Yeah. Um, I think maybe we're late bloomers. Maybe it is you know, one of those type of things, but we all were able to develop physically on the mission, just get older and bigger and more of a 
you know, more of a man, quite honestly. I knew it was an advantage. Yeah, huge advantage, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we all got older that way and stronger and bigger and everything else. And I think once that started to take over for us, then all of a sudden the baseball became a little easier. Baseball is such a funny game. And, and there are so many nuances. And it's just, it's a fickle beast, right? Mm. Like one little bounce can change an entirety of a game, the, total, the whole dynamic. And, and I say that, I preface it, um, by saying, like, I thought that you had turned a corner. Yeah, I watched BYU win another conference series, and then it's like, ah, oh, they're going to take care of this against Utah, and then they'll handle Greensboro and go back into WCC play. But a lot of ups and downs. So how do you manage it when there are so many games and the emotions are so high and so differing from one game to another? Tate, we'll start with you. Um, uh, that's a great question. Uh, how Bouncing back from a game like that is always tough. You know, like it's it's like dang, we just got blitzed that bad right there. But there are so many things that are going right for us right now, especially coming down the stretch. I mean, we just got Deming back, Cole's back, Ryan's not hurt anymore. Like so many guys are coming back and big time contributors. Yeah. Even the guys that came in that uh, during those when Deming was hurt and stuff, like they stepped up. I mean, Easton Jones, he's a freshman and he was and just was a stud while he was playing, and um, you know just. Work just toughen through these these tough times. Yeah, it's. It, I think the hardest part of baseball is just being able to stay level, and and that includes when things are going really well, being able to just find that middle ground to to kind of stand on. And so that's I think been the toughest thing with the team this year is is because of all the injuries, because of all the people that have been in and out of the lineup, especially young kids, a lot of freshmen getting time to play. Um, because of all that, it's it's been really important to try to figure out how we can just keep that you know that modest middle momentum and energy the whole time because that's really what's going to help you when things start to go south. Speaking of energy, your wife uh, Lauren was in here the other day. That's Congrats right. winning the natty. Uh, what's it like in the Gamble household to just, just be champs? Yeah, well, well, she's the champ. I mean, if we're talking about, <laughs> we, we joke about it all the time. She's the real champion in our family now. And uh, so now that she's married into our family, at least we can say we got that going. <laughs> You're like, we are national champions. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know if you know the drill, but when you come on the show, you get BYU Sports Nation karma. That's right. Okay. I can't think of a better time to deliver it than right now for the Greensboro Series. Let's go. go. And then as you push back into West Coast Conference play, you can spread it out over as many games as you like. I don't know if it's as pungent or as effective if you it's utilize you. it in the multiple dosage, games. Yeah. yeah. How many milligrams well, of karma? And also need? the double effect. And you're, I mean, listen, your wife, like national champion, come on. It's unreal. Okay. So she's got, she's got a little bit of the karma as well. So do your thing, guys. Good luck against Greensboro. We appreciate you being in the studio. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. You know what time it is. Let's whip it! Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Earlier this week, we discussed our top five impact players uh, transfers. Not named Kedon Slovis. That's, we're, he's going to be Kedon now. I don't know why. Did Caleb Etienne make your top five? Not yet. Not, I, I hope he does. Me too. Same. He's like right there. Yes, right on the cusp. I need to know if he's the starting right tackle, then, perhaps. Then maybe. Then maybe. Yeah. Because... You know, as, as prominent as we think Paul Miley is going to be as a guard, like tackles are just really, really important on the edges of the offensive line. Yeah. But right now he's, he's just off 
Like so my my top five stays the same. Vong Pachan was uh, was certainly in there. And, the and greatest I, Laotian Mexican linebacker. I, of all time. I think he's earned that top five spot. We'll see. No I, one, I call no one ETN compete. ascends, right? Is ESPN. that a rhyme on purpose? ETN sort of a rhyme. <laughs> it's not really. It's, not on it's, purpose. it's like a half run. Yeah. All right. ESPN has released their top 25 men's basketball recruiting class rankings. There are seven Big 12 teams in this top. Great 25. news, Spence. Will BYU ever? have a top 25 men's basketball recruiting class. Maybe, but I don't really need them to. I, I, I would like a top 50. I think if at some point in BYU's peak, and oh, by the way, adding a nice 2024 piece recently, right? Yeah, um, you know, you bring uh, Elder Chandler back from uh, London, England, and yeah. you add a couple other pieces, boom goes the dynamite. BYU's best ever or most highly touted recruiting class ever was the Lone Peak era. Still waiting for the documentary. With Mika and yeah. Emery and Hawes. Even that wasn't a top 25 recruiting class. And they were all top 100 ESPN. Right, so yep. I don't know. Uh, I would love BYU to have a top 40 class at some point. That'd be great. At one point, BYU had seven top 100 guys at some point. Sorry, seven four stars on the roster. Didn't go to the NCAA tournament or win with those that group. It's not always about that recruiting class, right? At BYU specifically. Yesterday, Cole Gamble came on the show and got the BYU Sports Nation karma. Here's uh, what that looked like. I don't know if you know the drill, but when you come on the show, you get BYU Sports Nation karma. Okay, I can't think of a better time to deliver it than right now. That's right, Spence. Uh, then he used it to the tune of not one, but two home runs. Yep. Yeah. Gamble is gone Gamble. again. Two home runs today. Back to backs for Gamble. All right, Cole, you started your day on BYU Sports Nation. You're ending it uh, with the post-game interview. Big game for you. Five RBI, couple home runs. Take me through the outing today. Yeah, I'm just trying to get on TV as much as possible. <laughs> is the karma back, baby? Uh, yes. We we were very specific yesterday. Like, okay, we need to spend an extra amount of time talking about this. And it delivered. It delivered. And like Jimmy off, John's freaky coming fast. Coming off a 15-run loss to Utah, no less. Yeah, that, that was the we worst We felt too, like damn. we needed to combine the powers and give it to BYU Baseball. And bang. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, He-Man. I have the karma. He messaged yeah. me last night. He's like, bro, I got that karma me working. Me too, dude. I got it working. I was stoked. Yeah. Congrats. More Cole Gamble. College football home is posted. This is the worst. This picture of this is... Utah no. in blue with Ugh. royal black, or royal black, with uh, black trim. Are you We can call that royal black. Royal I like, black? That's a new, I like that. A royal, royal black. black. Yeah. Okay. Are you still disgusted no matter how many times you see this? Yes. <laughs> it is against nature. I feel like I need to take a shower after watching this and confess to my bishop. I hate it. There's nothing that will make it any better. Next, next. It'll always be gross. Terrible. It will be band day when BYU football plays at Texas in October. This is breaking news. Mm -hmm. um, will this give them an edge? What does this mean and are you looking forward to this? No, it will not give anybody an edge. <laughs> Yay, band day. I have no idea. No idea what this means other than alumni members of the band are going to be coming back to the game. It's, to just, perform, it's just like the WCC teams in Vegas. Um, we're like, can't yield the student you know, group, so then the alumni show up. In this case, they certainly can. They have a great band. I love the pride of the Wasatch, BYU's marching band. Yeah, oh yeah. And I appreciate oh, what marching yeah. bands do. Like, they're incredible. They're great. Part of college they're incredible. Football. Am I looking forward to that part of the whole festivity specifically? How many French horns is enough French horns is what we've never asked ourselves on this program. 
I, I can't, I mean, I'm looking forward to the sounds and the ambiance that the bands will create because that's part of the college football atmosphere and experience. Yeah, there'll be plenty of baritones to go around. Don't you worry. Outside of that, whatever. Let's play the game. Yeah. Let's play the game. Speaking of Texas and college football, TCU is now offering a keep it purple plan as the only option to purchase single game tickets for home games against BYU and Texas in 2023. Santa Clara, is that you? Is this a sign of respect <laughs> or maybe fear on part of the Horn Frogs to make it's, tickets to the BYU game tougher to get? It's not fear, it's absolute respect for Cougar Nation is gonna show up. Only one other team, Texas, can do that. So yeah, no, absolute respect, absolutely. They, get, they know what Brigham about to do. I, I love it. They T know. TCU has experienced what BYU's yeah, fan base can do. Yep. And it's going to be out in full force. The same the Mountain West anymore. This is Big 12. Let's go. Somewhere John Beck and David Nixon are smiling about what happened in 2006 in Dallas-Fort Worth. In <laughs> that stadium. Been a hot minute. 17 years. Isn't that wild? <laughs> Gosh, that's We wild. are not young pups anymore. D. Nix with the sack, force fumble. Let's go. Jeff Ballard. Oh yeah, Jeff, Jeff Ballard. Ballard. Yeah. Yep. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Our question of the day is this. Who will be the most impactful transfer for BYU football this season? Not named Keaton Slovis, obviously, at that quarterback he is position. off the board. He's off the board. Ben Peterson on Twitter says, Aiden Robbins. Yeah. Jeremy and I agree. Mm -hmm. He's number one on our list. A good run game makes all of the difference for how well Keaton and the rest of the offense will do. Aiden has the experience to make that difference that is needed. Amen. Casey Garner on Twitter. Paul Miley having someone with a full season of Power 5 starting at center or okay. right guard starts. Uh, will help our O-line stay solid against the P5 schedule. This guy's been in the fight. Uh, this guy's won a title. Um, certainly got great experience. We're excited about Paul Miley. Sat out spring with a uh, shoulder injury, uh, had surgery to repair it. Should be good to go in fall camp. Outstanding. Kevin Williams on Twitter says, I have high hopes for Banya mm. to be the most impactful with his ability to get after the quarterback, something we've really been missing for a long time. Could not agree more. <sighs> A, that, a prime edge rusher. I've been screaming for a couple of years that BYU needs to get a D-line that uh, you know get, gets after it, that gets pressure with four. Hopefully this scheme will sort of cater to that a little bit more. Jay Hill's bringing in more aggression, of course, but BYU needs capable players to do it. I think there are some good players on BYU's team. I'm interested to see Tyler Batty's development under this new scheme and new defensive coordinator, new edge coach, right, and Kelly Papinga. So we'll see what happens, man. At Herman Deutsch says, hmm... The players who entered the transfer portal then to return to the BYU football team when they discovered there was an opportunity or exposure for them elsewhere. Now, I don't know that that... Who are we referring to? I there? have no idea. I don't know that that is going to be the case for anybody... Sprachensee Deutsch, Herman? ...that has what? entered the portal. Yeah, who, yeah, who are we talking about? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, is there, is there somebody specific that he is... There's not a We went through the list name of that four or five that. yesterday that have have declared that they're in the transfer portal. They didn't say it. They declared it. Space. They declared. Yeah. All right. Well, to be determined, our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from oft-contributor to the program, Jim Roberts MN on Twitter. He I wonder says, where he lives. Aiden Robbins. Given the fact that BYU's offensive line might even be better than last year. Ooh, ooh. it's going to be hard to beat in last year, dude. It's well, going to be hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what is better? 
Like, it's going to be tough to be better with pro football focus numbers. They won't be better in pro football focus. But can, no they, be way. Better, can they be better in clutch scenarios, third and short, fourth and short, and in red zone areas? Yes. That's where they can be better. Yes. For sure. Okay, he continues. Um, offensive line might even be better than last year, including a certain someone you can't talk about yet. Yep. Okay. A left okay. tackle, boy. <laughs> Let's go. Shout out to Mike Gundy. Aiden Robbins. <laughs> Aiden Robbins could go for 1,000 yards, which in turn will enable Slovis to throw for 3,000. 1,000 a a thousand ain't hard, okay? You get you get 13 games with the ball okay. game. 77 in a game. That's not hard. Let's go. <laughs> it ain't difficult. BYU didn't reach that last year with any running back. If Chris Brooks had played in all 13 games, he would have done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I tend to. He agree missed a couple games. I tend to agree with that. Yeah. All right. Get eight hundred something. Yeah. yeah. Today's rise and shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU athletics. The men's volleyball. Good luck today in the quarterfinals against Concordia. Go get it done, Jim. Semifinals tomorrow. Let's go. Our thanks to today's guests: AJ Bongpachan of BYU football and Kaylee Wilson of BYU women's basketball. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. Ran out of time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Catherine Lachemanant. BYU Women's Volleyball Player. We'll see you tomorrow back here in Studio B. Go Kooks! Our question of the day, centering in on BYU football and the football power index numbers from ESPN. They have BYU projected to win five games. So we ask, well, how many games would you favor BYU to win this season? FBI has BYU favored to win three. Three whole games. Three. Congratulations. Robert everybody. Oliver on Twitter says the first two. I favor BYU in the first two. I rate Cincinnati, Kansas, West Virginia, and Iowa State toss-ups definite underdogs in the other six. I deem bowl eligibility iffy. We shall see. Well, you're not the elite voice of the day, Robert. Okay, that's true. <laughs> you are not. The elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Tyson Peterson on Facebook who says, Thanks for waiting. I see six to be favored in. Whoa, whoa. The first two, Kansas, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and then Iowa State. The reach for me there mm. is West Virginia. But Kansas, Cincinnati, Iowa State, yeah. Just I, because. BYU could be favored travel? as 51% winners in all three of those games. Could be favored in them, technically speaking. What's it going to take for us to feel like BYU should be favored in all those? We just need to see how BYU fares in the Big 12. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.